in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, podcaster. Man, am I excited that you joined us for this show. Fired up to do this again. Just get cranked up every time I turn on this microphone and uh, and blast this show out there in social media and wherever else it is heard. So whether you're streaming online or you are downloading this onto your mobile device, thank you so much for choosing to listen to us today and i'm excited that you were along for the ride so this episode we're going to talk a little more about hunting than we have the last few episodes because we're getting into hunting season september 1 obviously started the uh, dove season i went dove hunting the other day twice actually beginning of the season opening weekend shot a couple of birds and um they weren't really flying that well out at my friend uh danny berry's ranch and uh Basically, he called me the other day. We talked just about every evening, and he called me the other day and said, man, you've got to get out here. Uh, they're absolutely just, just flying in groups of 20 or more, you know, and he was right. I went out there uh, this past Wednesday night before this podcast releases, and I uh, got out there and really hammered down on them, and uh, we really had a good time on that event, uh, going hunting together, and uh, really got uh, quite a few birds uh I'm not the best wing shot though. I'm a better bow hunter and a better rifle hunter than I am a wing shot with uh, with the shotgun. But by goodness, I sure did give it a good try. And uh, it's more of a social event, like dove hunting is for a lot of hunters. It's more of a social graces, you know, kind of event where you get together and hang out and uh, drink a few cold ones and uh, and just share some good hunting stories. And and uh, I just love the outdoors for that reason and so many more. Um, to be able to share that with your friends and your family and uh, that kind of stuff is just dove season just rocks so and I shot a bird on my opening morning for dove season that's always a good omen because I typically have a good year for the rest of the year for hunting big game if I shoot a, a dove on opening morning and I did so got that one under my belt and I feel pretty pretty fired up about that so hope you guys are doing well out there hope you guys are uh, shooting doves if you guys have been dove hunting at all the birds seem to be flying here in the latter part of September uh, here in Central Texas but uh, I hear some places are flying great and some places they aren't. I've got a friend that owns a ranch, uh, Circle F Hunting Adventures owns a ranch out in um, uh, Santa Ana, Texas Coleman, Texas area and he's had a lot of good success with dove hunting and uh, over the years and uh, he's been entertaining big groups and uh, really excited to have him on the show down the line here when we talk about high fences and big game hunting and stuff like that later in the year. So Circle F Adventures, you can look them up on the internet. I built their website too. So um, been busy with all that fun stuff. So hope you guys are doing great. I've got a good show for you this week. I'm back with Lou Murillo. Him and I, if you remember, talked back, I think in January or February about the SHOT Show. That was in late January this year. 2017 and uh in february i think we ended up doing a podcast together because i do these every two weeks so it's not immediate after the show typically but we had a good show together I have him back on the podcast for the second time now and uh, really enjoy having him on. Uh, he is also known as Eric Adams from the band Manowar. And so he's a rock star 
uh, lead singer for a heavy metal band that's really popular in Europe and somewhat popular here in the United States, and uh, really a great bow hunter, great teacher. He teaches uh, hunters and bow hunters education classes in the New York area where he lives, and uh, is a great asset for us here at Texas Fishing Game because he brings a lot to the table in his column every month, Bare Bones Hunting, as well as uh, in the Texas Test reviews that he writes on products and the uh, feature articles that he writes for the magazine like I do, and um, really excited to have him on the show. So we're talking underground bow hunting tech tips this week, and I uh, wanted to get this out to you to really have some opportunity to uh, just just break out some ideas for your bow hunting adventures if you bow hunt. And if you don't, my goodness, what are you doing? You've got to try bow hunting, even if it's just with the crossbow, even if you don't, you know, don't have the shoulder strength to pull back a compound bow, whatever the case may be. I love hunting with the crossbow along with the compound bow, and I've got both. I've got actually multiples of both and um, really enjoy the whole process around that. So uh, that's going to be our interview today with Lou Marilla. Now, we had some technical difficulties a couple of times during the recording of this podcast. We had some issues basically hearing each other. I could hear him fine on the microphone and everything plugged into my little audio video home office system here, uh, but he couldn't hear me. So th- we kind of had to cut the interview short in a couple of places, but it's about 30 minutes of, of, uh, of content uh, that is really good stuff. I think you're really going to get a lot out of it, whether you're gun hunting or you're bow hunting. There's just some really cool tech tips ideas to uh to help you in your hunting season and also i wanted to recommend that you check out crossbow school if you visit fishgame.com through the uh end of september beginning of october we have a school program we call them deer school or bow fishing 101 or whatever the case may be but we've got a program called crossbow school and uh, we we basically, this is 12 blog posts on a landing page. Landing page is really cool. Elliot Donnelly, our digital publisher, did a fantastic job on that. And uh, it's got videos from Excalibur. Excalibur is the one that sponsored it, who's owned by Bowtech. Uh, we have videos on there. We have some articles. I wrote three of the articles that are in that program. And wow, I mean, there's just a ton of great information to plug into there at Crossbow School. So you can visit fishgame.com forward slash crossbow school or you'll see the slider on fishgame.com come up from the bottom of the screen. You can just click on it, and you can take the crossbow quiz, which is really awesome. It's nine questions that myself and Chester Moore came up with, and our editor-in-chief, and I think you'll really enjoy it. It's kind of a challenge in some places and easy in other places, but it's a crossbow quiz you can take at fishgame.com forward slash crossbow school and also um just read some of the content watch some of the videos i mean this is just it's hours of entertainment if you want to check it out uh but it's all about crossbows and i've done a podcast all about crossbows when i first started doing this show for the texas outdoor nation for texas fishing game and um really excited about uh, about that i wanted to do something since i had to cut our interview short uh this week is uh do some question and answer stuff and and these all came on through my youtube channel and if you know how to spell my last name it's w-a-r-n-c-k-e dustin warnke i don't use my middle name on the youtube channel but if you just keyword search dustin warnke or dustin warnke hunts or if you come what spelling my name somewhat correctly it should bring you to me but um but I've got a YouTube channel. If you'd like to subscribe, I've got new videos going up there. I'm starting to put these podcasts on videos now, too, and making videos at them so people in the YouTube audience can re- watch them or really listen to them, rather, instead of watching them. And um, really have a lot of fun with that stuff. My computer gets all uh, uh, the big fans and stuff start going when I start uh, rendering video and stuff. It's kind of funny. But 
um, have a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing this uh, podcast and uh, sharing that to my YouTube audience. So got a couple of questions that came through the last couple of weeks uh, that I wanted to bring up. And since we had to cut this interview kind of short, I wanted to talk to you about them uh, just as kind of some add-ons to the regular show format of the interview. And uh, basically, I've got uh, two people that asked me the same question within two weeks of each other, and that is, how long do you keep a crossbow in the cocked or shooting position? Uh, how long is it safe to keep a crossbow in that cocked or shooting position? Um, that's a good question. Typically, manufacturers such as Barnett Crossbows, which I shoot Barnett's. Uh, also, I'm a fan of Excalibur because they're so tough. I'm a fan of um, Striker. I'm a fan of a lot of the different crossbows that are out there. Ten Points got good ones. Uh, Wicked Ridge. I mean, there's so many different good crossbows out there uh, these days. So I'm a fan of a lot of the different brands. In fact, all the major American-made brands I'm pretty much a fan of because there's so many good innovations there. But uh, how long do you keep a crossbow cocked? I would say no more than four hours or till the end of your hunt. If you're hunting overnight, then I imagine that would be fine to keep them. What you don't want to do is have a crossbow cocked for days and days and days because that's going to put stress on the limbs. It's going to put stress on the cams in the case of a compound crossbow. Uh, it's going to put a lot of stress in a lot of ways on that crossbow that you don't want it to do, especially in the case of a compound one, like I just said. So, um, you know, I'd say no more than four hours or just your hunting duration. The easiest way to discharge an arrow, you know, and, and a target is uh, to, the best way to uncock a crossbow, I should say, is to discharge the arrow at a target. Or there's a video on Excalibur's um, crossbow school program that we've got at fishgame.com that you can watch of how they uh, they just uh, uh, uncock a crossbow. And I've done it in several different ways, too. I don't want to give away all of my secrets on the, on the podcast of how I, I uh, uncock one with the, the Barnett's that I shoot. But they're a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's really good to keep your crossbow uncocked when it's not in the hunting action, you know. So that's, that's the answer to that question. And then another question I got was, how many grains are your crossbow bolts? Uh, example, 20 inches. I need... 425 grains total and I like to, uh, for a 20 inch crossbow and I like to have a luminoc or a nocturnal with them. I uh, don't care whether it's a hundred grain or 25 grain tips. So what he's asking is what total weight does he need? So I did some research on uh, gold tips website. That's the bolts that I use a gold tip laser three. If you listen to any of my other podcasts that I've done on crossbows, you'll know that. Um, and then obviously I shoot Grim Reaper broadheads cause I'm on their pro staff and I have a lot of fun promoting their company because they just make awesome broadheads that are just lethal on just about anything you shoot in the boiler room. Uh, we'll get it done. And, um, basically what I did a, a, a comparison, a moon or flat knock 20 inch gold tip has four inch veins, uh, be, um, 418 grains. That's of course before the broadhead 20 inch moon or flat with two inch grains or two inch veins, I should say is 405 grains. And so obviously you get a heavier arrow with the four inch veins, uh, but you can also get a, um, you know, throw a broadhead on there. I always like to shoot 125 grain. That's just been my preference for a while. I like putting a heavier broadhead on there. Um, of course, you can get broadheads that are even heavier than that. But um, really, you know, 100 grain to 125 grain is what most people use. And uh, Ray just come out with, with some of the, with both. Grim Reaper has, I mean, all the different ones. 
that are out there have uh, have different uh, grain weights, and I'm just a fan of the 125 grain. I like having that extra weight on my arrow. Um, I just think it's a it's a cool thing to have. So, um, and it also makes for a heavier arrow overall. And what you won't don't want to do is shoot an arrow too light to answer this guy's question. You don't want to shoot. Uh, you want to make sure you have a grain weight that's heavy enough because it'll be like dry firing your crossbow if you don't uh, right you know don't uh, don't take care of that and do the right thing there. You want to make sure that you have a crossbow bolt or an arrow out of your out of your uh, compound bow that uh, for hunting that's going to be heavy enough to take care of uh, kinetic energy and and doing its thing with when it encounters an animal but also you want to make sure that it's heavy enough where it does not tax your bow or your crossbow um, and it's not too light to be where you would basically be dry firing it. So a good archery pro shop will help you with that. Um, I'm not a quote unquote expert on all things archery when it comes to uh, grain weights and, um, air, you know, spine, spine densities and that kind of stuff. I'm not really an expert in all that stuff. I just know what I like to shoot. Like I say, gold tip makes a heck of a great arrow, uh, for compound bows and for, uh, and for crossbows for bolts. Um, and I've had a lot of fun shooting those and you'll see that in the article that I wrote, uh, for crossbow school, what I prefer there. And, um, I'm a big fan of uh, two inch cut radius for the grim reapers, uh, when it comes to broadheads. Then I also mentioned that to this guy in the comment that I had on my crossbow video. I like the uh, whitetail specials from grim reaper because, they have such a great cut radius, two inches with, uh, it's actually uh, the blade length is an inch and three quarters with an expander cup. And those are just incredible. Uh, they, they leave a good three, uh, three bladed hole uh, that's unlike anything I've ever seen out there. And they fly true. Um, they're mechanicals, obviously. And uh, Lou and I kind of talk about mechanicals in the podcast and that kind of stuff. Um, but really, really enjoy, uh, shooting those, but you want to make sure if you're going to shoot larger diameter, uh, crossbow bolts, especially larger diameter broadheads, I should say, uh, especially in the case of a crossbow, it's not that big of a deal to get, uh, to get that kinetic energy with a crossbow with a compound bow. You want to make sure you're shooting over 60 pounds. You want to make sure you have draw weight over, you know, 28 inches or so to make sure you have enough kinetic energy to open those bad boys up and uh, really get them through that animal and get a good pass through shot or, or even if you get just a, uh, you know, a non pass through shot that, that blade's going to continue walking, working with that in that animal as it's walking, uh, and trying to run away. And, uh, so those blades really do a good job. And like I say, I'm a big fan of those. We want to make sure with the larger diameter blades, like the two inch that you, um, want to make sure that you are, are shooting enough kinetic energy to make that happen. If you have any questions about that, I can usually answer pretty good questions about, uh, broadhead length. Uh, the smallest Grim Reaper makes is inch and three eighths. And then the largest they make is two inches. And I can usually help you with that. If you want to just message me through my website at dustinsprojects.com, that's all one word, dustinsprojects.com. You can message me through that and I'll help you with, uh, with deciding what's best for you. Or you can message me through any of my YouTube videos and again my last name is spelled w-a-r-n-c-k-e and a first name dustin so anyway i'm going to get into our interview next and i uh, really appreciate you tuning in and checking out our show here's my interview with mr lou Marillo. mr lou Marillo, welcome back to the best of the outdoors podcast it's great to have you on again oh, i'm telling you it's great to be back again believe me 
<laughs> it's always a pleasure because, you know, not only do you live this life as a hunting editor of Texas Fishing Game, you're also the lead singer as Eric Adams of Man of War on, uh, on the uh, tour trail. And y'all are doing your farewell, farewell, I should say, tour uh, coming yep. up here starting in November, correct? Yeah, November 6th, I'm flying to Europe. Uh, got production rehearsals right after that in Europe. And, um, you know, with the crew and the lighting company and the sound company and everybody. And and then the tour begins, I think it's in Norway on November 15th, somewhere around then. Cool. And, uh, and then it all starts, brother. That's it. That's great. So you're going to hunt hard as you can up until November the 6th, right? <laughs> You got that right. <laughs> I'll be out there every morning and every evening. <laughs> That's right. You get as much hunting in as you can. So if to, to you know bring bring listeners up to speed, you and I have talked on, on this podcast before, right after Shot Show in January, February time frame, and um, yeah. you hunt in New York, the New York area. Um, you are a writer and obviously uh, editor. You do features like I do for Texas Fishing Game. You also do the Bare Bones Hunting uh, column. And, uh, right. you also have, you know, a lot of, a lot of different insight in the hunting editor. Do you do Texas tested reviews like I do for the magazine? And, yep. um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just great to read your insight. I, I've read your articles for a lot longer than I've known you. And, mm-hmm. uh, I've always enjoyed your writing and just, uh, your passion for bow hunting. And a lot of listeners know that <clears throat> I have kind of a passion for bow hunting. My biggest archery buck was the last buck that I shot with archery is 2014, uh, in a lady's backyard in Brushy Creek in the Texas, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, Dustin, that's where the big ones are. You aren't going to find them. You know, they didn't get big being stupid. You that's know, right. and where, where they smell other hunters, they you know, it's tough to get a, it's tough to see those big ones. But uh, if you're in a spot where they don't expect to be hunted, well, there you go. It's going to be right. a surprise for them. They're not about. They're about to have a bad day and they don't know it yet. That's exactly, right. exactly. The oh crap face, as you like to say, right? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I tell you, really, I've got some tricks I'm going to talk about with you. No, that's You know, good. some people are going to think these are crazy or I'm crazy. I don't know. But they've worked for me. And um, and I hope that I can kind of relay that to people and maybe they'll work for them too. But even if they don't work, you know, one of the reasons I'm out there bow hunting is I'm out there to have fun. Sure. So if they don't work, I'm still having fun trying things, you know, seeing right. how the deer react to certain things. It's fun. I no, enjoy it. Is. It. it is. And I wanted to have you on to talk about kind of underground tech tips and hunting tips for bow hunting. So tell us just a little bit. The reason I wanted to have you on the show was basically just since you write such great articles and columns and everything for the magazine on you know, hunting tech tips and, and, uh, and, you know, going after, you know, the, the bucks that aren't on the beaten path all the time, a lot of public land ideas. Uh, this is airing right right before hunting season in October, um, right before the October start of, uh, bow hunting season. And, uh, and I'm really excited to have you on. So fire away with some tech tips for us. Okay. Let me tell you, first of all, first and foremost, Get the best equipment that your wallet can handle, okay? Because <laughs> you've got to, you know, if don't get uh, um, broadheads and don't get bows that that uh, you wish you you wish you could afford a better product. Because right. uh, I'll be honest with you, you know, you spend the money and you you're really going to enjoy your hunting a lot better. You really will. Um, there's some tricks that I like to do. Uh, one 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 thing I like to do, especially down in Texas when I'm down there hunting. You've got some thick areas down there, particularly in East Texas. I hunted with Chester Moore before he put me in this tree stand 
And I wasn't going to see a deer until it was right on top of me. It was a real thick area. Right. And, uh, you know, but he said, this is where the bucks have been hand- working. And I, I believed it. So, you know, when I got back home, I came up with this idea, you know, these driveway sensors. Yes. That you put out there and you, you, you know, and something comes through your driveway, it beeps on your sensor in the house and you know, you've got company coming in or, you know, like somebody's on your sensor. property. Right. Exactly. Right. I use it in the field. Oh, okay. <laughs> it works great. I put the sensor itself on a, on a deer run that I expect the deer to use and, and, uh, you know, in the thicket. All right. on the height of a deer and I angle it in towards the height of a deer. And then I go to my tree stand and the, the receiver on my tree stand, I has a light on it, a red light. Uh-huh. And I, I snip the, the alarm so it won't make any noise. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I, I snip the alarm off and then I hang it in the tree someplace so it'll catch my peripheral vision. And I, I could be looking at something, you know, in front of me, you know, in the clearing in front of me waiting for something to happen. And all of a sudden, from the thickest part of the woods, this light starts flashing. I got something coming my way. Get ready. I can turn that direction. I'm ready for whatever right. it is. It might be a nice buck. might be a doe, whatever. Um, you know, something's coming down that trail. And it's not, it's, I, I set it high enough, so I'm not going to catch any, you know, any squirrels or anything like that. It's high right. enough to catch the back of a deer walking through. Oh, that's and, smart. <laughs> That's exciting. It's either going to be a deer or, or a poacher coming through. Right. Or somebody <laughs> either way, I'm going to know he's there. Exactly. Well, <laughs> that all being said, Lou, I was also going to say, you know, it's great for areas that you can't necessarily bait because a lot of us hunt over bait in Texas, as you know, for people that live outside of the state uh, where baiting's illegal, it's great for hunting runs and, you know, trails and areas that deer come through, but you can't necessarily, you know, get them into a food source. Exactly. I mean, even if even on the baited baited area, you know, you've got different routes. You can only cover one at a time. So if you get your concentration on, let's say the the run you expect is to coming out of your left side, and all of a sudden something is coming out of your right side, I'll stick it on your right. You're going to be. It's you've got eyes in that direction. Right. In other words, you've got you've got to be ready. Right. Exactly. That's brilliant. Really, that's a great idea. Less movement for you. You know, you can be prepared, ready to go. You know, sure. and that's uh, pretty exciting stuff. It works. It's worked for me. I'll tell you something else that works. It's, uh, everyone who's listening, sit down because I don't want you to fall down laughing. Okay. <laughs> this this actually does work. Okay. You, you know the radios, the, the handheld radios yes. that, you, that some people hunt with? Yes. The two-way radios, right? Two-way radios, yeah. It's kind of a thing of the past now, but they can be set on different frequencies, yes, or different channels. They can be set on different channels, and so I put them in a plastic bag. All right, I put them in plastic bags, and I set them in different parts of the. I set them around, okay, okay, where I'm hunting. Sure. And if I if I see this is in an area where I can see deer in a distance, you know, and I could. If I see a deer way off and it's walking away from me, and I know that on channel one I've got a camera or I've got a uh, radio on channel yes. one yes. near where that deer is headed, I'll turn that radio and I'll, I'll set it so it'll set an alarm. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I, I'll press the button and all of a sudden the alarm, I'll, <laughs> the, deer, the deer looks and turns and heads towards my direction, and then it heads towards another one, and I come, <laughs> another one, and it turns closer, and I kind of, 
send the deer right towards me or in that the area. Is on brilliant. That is brilliant. That is great, Lou. <laughs> I'm telling you, it works. Now, it's funny, but it works. It really does. <laughs> and you put it in a white in, in like a plastic bag to keep it waterproof, I assume, right? Correct. Is that the yeah, idea correct. behind that? Okay. Yeah, that's the idea. I keep it in a plastic bag just to keep it waterproof. And uh, you know, I set it out there and it's it's great. It really works. <laughs> it's funny. Well, the deer never know it's there. Yeah, I mean that's that's brilliant. And they never know where the sound is really coming from because it's coming from somewhere wherever that plastic bag is. Wow. <laughs> exactly. They just know it's foreign. All of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, this isn't something's wrong here. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, so it's alerted and it's coming through, but you're ready because it's coming towards you. You're sending it towards you with uh, with the right. Oh, I, exactly. I love it, Lou. I never would have thought of that, man. You're brilliant. I'm telling you. This guy. I love you. Stupid tricks that I've tried throughout the years, just for something for laughs, kicks and laughs, and sometimes it brings a deer in, sometimes I just sit back in my stand and laugh my head off. Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm having a good time. Oh, sure, so. that's what it's all about, is getting out there and having a good time. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'll tell you something else I do, and it's, I wrote about this at one time. It was uh, it was near this time of year. It was near, uh, you know, all the... Um, all the uh, dummies on the store in the stores now the you know all the uh pumpkins were out and it was halloween time and all that right. you know that kind of stuff and uh, i remember going up to a friend's porch i had my my young son with me we went up on a friend's porch and he was sitting there like you know still to scare the kids you know mm-hmm. he was sitting there like not moving you know and then when the kids got up there all of a sudden he moved Oh, well, yeah. after a while, the kids knew he was there. They weren't afraid of him, you know, because they knew he was there. The word got around in the in the neighborhood that, you know, go to this guy's house or somebody on the porch, you know. And <laughs> so they weren't afraid of him after a while. And I, a light went off in my head thinking, huh, I wonder if this will work. So <laughs> I had a tree stand, and I set the tree stand up well before the season i went there and i and i had a dummy that i built out of you know just i put camouflage i put camouflage over it you know yes and i i bought a like a styrofoam round styrofoam ball that i used for a hat mm-hmm. and i put the hat on it and everything and and i set it up in my tree stand and i i secured it up there so it wouldn't fall out and i left it there I didn't worry about my scent. I left it right there, let the deer get used to it. Mm-hmm. And the deer would, you know, deer would get used to that dummy being up in the stand. Like a and person, opening day, right? Like, a, like person. a person. Yeah, right. And then opening day came, and there was a different dummy up there. Only this one could pull a pole back. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I read that in one and, of your columns many years ago, and I was like, that, sir, is brilliant. That worked as a... A town called Ithaca, New York. I hunt up here, and uh, I tried it in this one spot, and it worked like a charm. Worked like a charm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so is most, yeah, of, yeah, is most of the hunting that you do up there public land? I assume. Yes. Okay, yeah, that's what is. I figured that you do up in New York. But yeah, you know, in Texas we have a lot of private land, but there's still wary animals, and it doesn't really matter if you hunt public or private. the The pressure's still on. There's still a lot of the same you know, uh, aspects oh. that come with it for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I, when I hunt, I try to think of the deer's nose. Sure. That's the most important yes. thing. I mean, uh, I said this too before in different columns that, you know, and I don't know if people know this, but a human carries five, five million, about 5 million 
uh, scent receptors. That's what we normally have. A dog has 220 million scent receptors. Wow. And you can see that when your dog is out chasing a bird or whatever, right. you know, he can follow scent. You know, they find, they, they find criminals and the dog yes. can follow scent. And, you know, and um, a dog also can smell fear. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when, true. when you're, that's true, smell emotion. And that's at 220 million scent receptors. A deer carries about 297 million scent receptors. Whoa. So how how we how we get close enough with the bow to even get a chance at these animals astounds me. I, I just don't know how we do it, but you know, I think we have to play the nose of that deer, have to play the wind a lot, you know. Yes. You yes. gotta have a lot of respect for that animal, you know, and you I, I I tell people, you know, wear rubber boots when you're out there hunting with a bow. Tuck your camouflage pants inside your boots so when you're walking to your stand the brush that you walk up against does not leave your human scent, you know? Yes. And uh, some people listen, some don't. You know, I get a kick out of some people saying, well, you know, I was told to wear rubber boots, so, you know, tomorrow's opening day of deer season, I'm going to go buy my boots. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they smell like a Goodyear tire. Pack. Exactly. You, go out the, you know, not it's seasoned. a foreign scent in the woods, and the deer are alerted. And, right. You know, you just have to be careful. you got to clean your clothes shower before every every hunt morning or evening you know just shower every every time you go out there using scent free soap right. with, you know uh, you know scent free uh, clothing deodorant, and yeah. keep yeah and keep your clothes in a i keep my i keep my clothes in a in a um, rubber made bin and i keep it there in the back of my truck until i get to my spot where i'm going to hunt uh-huh. you know then I put my clothes on and, and walk in the woods. And if I ever get stopped at a traffic stop on the way, <laughs> the cop's going to look at me and he's going to say, huh, this guy's in his underwear. What's he doing driving? <laughs> he's so funny. <laughs> oh, that's you know, great. Yeah, but I've, but... Got my, I've got my long john underwear because it's, it's cool, you know, right. all the time to wear it. And so I've got my, you know, long john underwear and I drive to the place like that. I don't even put on my regular clothes to get to the spot because they have a scent you know yes um you get out and refill your gas that's something a lot of guys don't think of you know oh you've got to um, do that the day before exactly you can't, you can't be you walking can't that the, to the gas station and and uh and expect not to get smelled because those deer i mean like you said that the millions of receptors they have above ours you know, yeah. I mean, they can pick up stuff that even a dog can't. I mean, they can pick up, you know, just just the molecules of, of anything. And I really that, think what you right. say is, is just brilliant. And the other point I wanted to make at this point is, you know, you talked about there being buy the best you can afford. You know, um, I, yeah. I, I'm on the pro staff of Grim Reaper Broadheads. There's no, there's no, most everybody that listens to this show knows that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I personally think they're some of the best broadheads for mechanicals that, that they open and close for me every time. I've killed dozens of animals with them, hogs and deer. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're not, they're 40, 45 bucks a pack, you know. And a lot yeah. of people say, well, right. if I can go buy the Walmart special broadheads, and I talked about this in my crossbow school coverage, yeah. um, you know, you know, don't buy off the clearance rack when you're shopping for gear. You know, uh, that's right, that's right, and and, and don't stop at a at a garage sale. Yeah, pick up something that someone's selling, like a. Uh, oh, I've had this bow now, and I, you know, I don't, I don't use it anymore. Well, how do you? How do you know this guy didn't dry fire the ball? You never know what you're going to get. It's a perfect. You point never know. Yes, you, you just never know. It's it's 
you know, when it comes to something that could hurt and harm you in a hard way, you've got to you've got to be careful and spend the money if you can afford it. You know, sure. If you can afford it, and you don't have to. Here's another thing, Dustin. You know, not everybody can afford to hunt like that, but you don't really need a lot of money to hunt. Of course, you need a bow. You got to have your arrows. You got to have your broadhead. You got to have your goat tag. You got to have your tags to hunt. Legally, yes. Okay. Yes. Got to have all that. But you really don't need. Uh, you don't need to spend a ton of money on on camouflage. You know, people look at that and say, "Well, every, every television I show, every television show I see, there's people walk around in camouflage." <laughs> that's so oh, that's true. true. Yeah, that's true. But you know, deer see in shades. Yes. You know, they see in shades. If you can't afford to get out there and go in camouflage, and all you've got is a uh, is a plaid shirt, you can still hunt in that plaid shirt. A deer is not going to see that. Blue and red color. I mean, you know this as well as I do. Look at Fred Bear. He never wore camouflage in the years that I saw him, you know, on on TV or whatever. He wore a plaid shirt and overalls or whatever and just got out there and got it done, you know, with a a stick bow and a a wooden arrow, you know, and he killed a ton of animals over his life. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you've got to just listen, you know, play the wind, and you've got to blend into your surroundings. And that might mean, um, that might mean you've got to just, if you want, if you can afford the camel, great. If you can't, don't not hunt. You know, yes. don't take the things. Well, I can't go. I don't have the camouflage. Well, it's not really necessary. Get out there with what you have, and as long as it's not one, as long as it's not one solid color, color, right? You can, you can hunt. You'll blend in fine with it. Now, do I prefer to hunt with camel? Yes, I absolutely do. And every picture you see of me, you're going to see me in camouflage. Right. But I also teach the bull course, and I tell I tell some of these kids that I, you know, you can't afford it. Don't worry about it. You know, sure. this is what you need. You know, and um, you know they have to get that in their heads instead of being drilled and drilled and drilled about camouflage clothing. You know, I'm not knocking the camouflage clothing companies. You know? No, I know you're not. Uh, if, but they're you know, in business. They come out with business. great camo and they blend them with different surroundings. Right. That's great to have. I'm just talking about the kids that. The kids they want to get out there and hunt and don't think they can because they can't afford it. That, right. that's, that's crazy. You're missing too much of what nature has to offer and get out there and enjoy it. Absolutely. And that's one thing I advocate on this show all the time. And anybody that's listened to any number of episodes will know that I'm all about easy wins. I'm all about making it affordable and accessible. That's something Chester has taught you and I over the years is making it something that everybody can, can participate in. And that's one thing your column gears towards is not the most expensive $8,000 night vision scope. It's, you know, products in in your Texas tester reviews that are affordable, that work well, that, that help you, you know, in your, in your pursuit. And that's something I'm really big about with this podcast is getting that out there and showing people that this is accessible, this is doable. There's just a few, you know, tips you can follow to make you more successful. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Again, you know, if you if you if you hunt with the wind in your face, you know, you've got a real good shot at getting a deer. As long as the wind is in your face, you know. Too many guys go there and not even think about it. They get up in the stand and, you know, because, hey, this is where Uncle Joe got a deer every year. And <laughs> I've seen deer out of this stand and, you know, I'm going to get one out of there. <laughs> yeah, it's tradition. And I hunt out of this stand every day and this is where I'm going to go. Well, you've done nothing but educate the deer. Because mm-hmm. the deer are going to say, well, there's human scent in this area. I'm staying away, yeah. you know. And that's what they do. So, you know, hey. I have to tell you this other trick while it's on my mind sure. before I forget to people, 
you know, make deer drives with the gun. Yes. You know, here's how you can do it with two people. Two people, okay? If you find a small section of woods to hunt, and, you know, it's just a small area, and you and you think deer are in that area. Yes. Well, one of, the, one of you goes on the escape route. The deer use one one run usually all the time. They go out one way all the time because it's their safe way out of the woods. Yes. When hikers go in there, bird watchers, whatever. They have one way to get out of the woods all the time. So before you before you hunt that area, the two of you walk the edge of the woods. You walk the edge of the woods, okay? And while you're walking, you're talking and talking on the radio to each other. Loud. Right. Loud. You're making it clear that people are out here on the side of this field, okay? And you're walking along the edge of the woods talking. And then you start to walk back. When you reach the when you reach the edge, you walk all the way back to where you started. And on the way back, you each have a can of anything, WD-40, uh, anything, Old Spice, anything <laughs> at all, and spray it on the trees. Yes. While you're talking, spray it on the trees every once in a while. While you're talking, just boom, Old Spice, whatever, on the trees. And then the one person walks all the way back to the escape route with the wind in his face, and he stands there. And when he's there, he radios the guy and let him know he's ready to, he's in position. Then the walker can just zigzag slowly through the woods, just zigzag slowly through the woods, and the deer won't break out on the edges because they just heard people there and they can smell people there. Right. They're not going to go on the edges. They're not going to break out. The only, and there's someone coming behind them. The only route they can take is towards that other hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're walking through the woods, nice and slow, the deer aren't going to get up and bolt away. They're going to get up and be annoyed. And they're going to be bumped. Because you know, they have to move, right? They've got to they move. They have to yeah, move. Right. And they're just going to walk along and walk along. They're going to walk right to the other hunter. And that has worked for me. I can't tell you how many times. That's brilliant. That's great. That's great. That's brilliant. And so once you encounter the deer, you obviously want to make some kind of noise to stop it and uh, and get a shot off, right? right? Is that the main, right. the main goal? Right. You get a grunt or whistle or do anything at all to stop that deer. But also keep in mind, that that front right, that front leg, that you're aimed, that whatever side you're looking at, okay, that front leg has got to be forward. Yes. When you stop that deer. Yes. Because <laughs> if it's if it's back and you stop the deer, well, now you got to hold your bow. You can't shoot because that shoulder bone is going to be covering the vital area. And right. You have to wait. You have to wait and wait and wait until that leg goes forward, and then it's wide open. And there's your shot. You've got a wide open shot to the vitals, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I've always wanted to ask you, what is your favorite versus, I don't want to ask your favorite brand on this show, but I mean, what is your, do you prefer fixed blade? Do you prefer, because you're kind of an older school hunter when it comes to, you've been bow hunting for so many years, so many decades. Uh, Are you more into fixed blade? Are you more into fixed? Because I'm more into mechanicals uh, because uh, I've, I've had mechanicals perform and almost, you know, be as reliable as a fixed blade, you know, um, in the case of Grim Reapers. But I mean, what is your preference? Well, I, I shoot with both, but I shoot with fixed blades when I'm deer hunting. Um, I just feel more comfortable with that. I mean, I again, it's a first, it's a personal preference. It is. You know, what, what you grew up with, what works for you, like you said, mechanicals work for you. I had, a, I had one time when a mechanical, um, opened up on the, on 
in the flight, okay? Mm-hmm. For some reason, one of the blades opened up, and it didn't fly correctly then, and I wounded I wounded the animal I was shooting at. Yeah, and, that's tough. Um, that's just tough. Yeah, that's tough. And when I found the arrow, only one side was open, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this, this just stinks. This, you know. And I wouldn't risk it after that. I, yeah. I said, well, I'm just going to shoot fixed blades from now on, and that's it. Or the replace, I like to shoot the replaceable blade that you put in right. on the fixed broadhead. And uh, then I know it's always razor, razor, razor sharp. You know? So that's the case and, of, let's just say, a muzzy or, you know, um, uh, you know some of the other fixed blade like, heads that have, that yeah, have the thunderhead. Thunderhead, right. Uh, yeah, all those have those fixed, they, they call them fixed blades, but they're actually replaceable blades you put in and... Uh, I do it every year, even if it's in, even if you you didn't uh, use the broadhead and it's been in your it's been in your quiver all sure. all season long and all year long. The following year, they have to be replaced. It's oxidation is taking yep. place, and they don't. And they're, yeah, they're they're not as razor sharp as they have to be. Right. You know, you know, will it hurt a human? Oh yeah, you'll you'll have a pretty bad day. Yeah. If it if someone you know has an accident, you'll you'll cut yourself with it. Yeah, but it's not razor sharp and you owe that as an ethical hunter, you owe it to the deer. Sure. You know, you just do. Or the animal you're hunting. Now with turkeys, I put my mechanicals on. Okay. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because with turkeys, if I use this if I use the um um fixed blade, I've had them where I shoot the arrow and it goes right through the bird, the bird flies off. And how are you going to follow any blood trail? Sure. All you did was you you left a dinner for some coyote when he finds mm-hmm. it. Right. You know? Right. Um, so with a mechanical broadhead, uh, when you shoot it with a mechanical broadhead at a turkey, the energy it takes to open up the open up the blades when it hits the bird, that's enough to, to slow the arrow down, and the arrow goes about halfway through the bird and it'll stop. Now the bird can't fly. It can run away, but it can't fly. Right. And easy to find easier easy to track to easier to find no that's that's important yeah. because a lot of people make the case against using mechanicals for wild hogs let's say because they're so tough you know i've mm-hmm. i've shot with my compound bow wild hogs and i've had the arrow stick but the animal still dies and the arrow didn't pass through completely but i you know mm-hmm. in the case of of turkey especially that makes all the sense in the world because you know that that impact of the kinetic energy of those blades opening you know has an right. impact on a, something that's small uh, and the turkey's not like a chicken, but I mean the turkey's smaller than a than a medium right. animal. I think it's right. a brilliant idea. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, I've, I've just that's just from trial and error, you know. Right. I mean, I, that's why I wanted to have you dark. on. <laughs> I need your trial and error experience, man. We all do you know, with Bowen out at, there. When you get up at dark thirty in the morning, I know for turkey season, man. I, you know, some places I hunt, I've got to get up at two thirty in the morning Oof. to get to the spot. And right. That's, it's not too much fun to do that for five or six, seven days in a row, you right. know. And uh, when I when that happened to me, and I had the arrow go right through the bird, and I spent the whole morning looking for that bird, and I couldn't find it, you know. And sure. I said, "Well, that's best. I'm using that." Right. And uh, I was out hunting with my my cousin Tim, and we were filming some hunt at the time. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, we had two birds come in, and he was going to shoot one with a gun. And I said, well, wait until I take one with the bow, and then you take one with the gun. Sure. So I shot with the bow. The arrow went half through the bird. And the other, because there's no noise, 
bird didn't know what was going on. The other bird just kind of jumped a little bit and walked a little bit further, but it was still well within gun range. And, and my cousin Timmy says, okay, here we go. Bang. We had a double. And it was, wow, it double. Was Archery shotgun double. It, I love it. Wow. It was great. That is great. <laughs> And that, my friends, was the end of our interview together because we just did not get our cell phone signals. You know how technology can be. I love it. I use technology every day, but sometimes when you can't get a good phone call together, uh, especially when it comes to recording this podcast, because I try to put a big level of professionalism in this show, and I really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to it. But, you know, sometimes just phones and cell phones and uh, uh, mobile devices and technology just fails, and this was one of those cases and but we got a good interview i think in and so that's that's some good concepts for turkey and uh, deer hunting this fall um some new ideas for you probably that you haven't thought of before so i at least wanted to bring that to uh to fruition and happy hunting season to everybody with bow season coming up here and then rifle season shortly after here in texas we have just huge rifle seasons and huge bow seasons that you can hunt um three months um, three and a half months almost if you consider the special late season uh, for, uh, for, for bow season beginner to late season end, uh, for antlers and spike season. Um, you know, we just have a very liberal season here in Texas and I don't take that for granted every year. I see how many, some States have a 10 day window. You can get out and kill your deer. And, uh, we really have a big one. So I, uh, I'm very blessed in that regard. And definitely all my Texas people out there be blessed and uh, carry that blessing with you as you talk to other folks from other States. Uh, we really have it good here. So also please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you've not done so already, that is free. You get a new show every two weeks. Uh, also, if you've not done so, subscribe to our Texas Fishing Game newsletter at fishgame.com. There's a newsletter sign-up uh, section on the header of the website, and you can also learn more about Crossbow School as well and get uh, news newsletter updates. We do three newsletters a week, and I talk about these all the time on the podcast, but for those of you guys that are new to this, uh, Tactical Tuesday, which comes out every Tuesday, Wildlife Wednesday, and the Thursday Texas State of the Outdoor Nation newsletter. Lots of fun in there. It's like getting a mini-magazine three times a week there's plenty of stuff to, to read on it all refers back to fishgame.com where we post our stories and then chester does a lot of wildlife stuff on wednesdays um just really unique stuff and chester told me the other day you know he's really excited about the direction we're really moving for 2018 uh for the magazine we're doing some things differently and bringing in some folks that you haven't heard of a lot uh to write for us and uh, the magazine continues to be great and the magazine subscription is pretty cheap it's under 20 bucks for a year a little bit more for um for two or three years and uh there's always some great promotions going on there so you can buy your texas fishing game subscription even if you live outside the state it's a great read there's a lot of good uh, even we call it on the website national news of texas <laughs> you know because we're the texas outdoor nation um, there's lots of really great, uh, great info there for you to digest and consider for your future hunting and fishing adventures. And again, I love doing this show. I try, try to bring you, you know, hope and inspiration and, uh, really the outdoor lifestyle and everything that we strive to do here at Texas Fishing Game. I want to bring home, you know, to you and, uh, so you can go out and do the best of the outdoors. That's why I call this podcast the best of the outdoors. So, uh, really want to bring you the best, uh, info and tools and, uh, gear and, and, uh, things like that for you to, uh, to check out. Also wanted to make sure I mentioned Jason Sacco on this podcast because he has an interview with Lou Marilla. It's a little bit longer than our interview with Lou. 
um, on his show. And it's been a few weeks ago since it's come out, but he really did a good interview with uh, Lou Marillo. Uh, his uh, website is Outdoor Adventures with Jason. You can just uh, Google uh, keyword search Outdoor Adventures with Jason. And Jason's uh, name is spelled J-A-Y-S-O-N. So we want to make sure you get that correct. J-A-Y-S-O-N, Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Heck, I'll put his uh, info in the show notes when I get done recording and producing this podcast. And I really appreciate you guys watching, reading, listening. Uh, like I said, I just put these up on YouTube. So if you're listening there, thank you so much for doing so. Uh, subscribe to my channel. I got about 2,600 or so subscribers on uh, YouTube. And uh, that's a way you can listen to the shows from here on out. I think I'm going to do every episode on that podcast uh, on YouTube as well. I'll do a YouTube version of that uh, podcast. And anyway, lots of really fun things going on and uh, really excited about the future, especially to be with you in the show and uh, really appreciate you guys checking us out and tuning in and have an awesome day in the outdoors. Mm-hmm.